Thank you, Ben. It's so awesome. I so love Ben and Emily. And, you know, I met Ben years and years ago, maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And um, Ben was, he was a, he's someone who brings uh, a spark to anyone he's around. And, you know, and he did that for me and for even for our ministry and he's always been a father, even when before he was married and had kids. He really cares for others. But I just see you continuing to spark people and, and father people and, and multiply. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for today for you all. And it's something that I believe will strengthen you. Um, I believe that, you know... we. It's a prophetic type word. It's like a word from the Lord. And I love how the prophetic is not just some, I'm going to read your mail and I'm going to show off. I know all these things. You know, it's not about the person speaking, but prophetic, anything that's prophetic, which means it just means it's God speaking to us, is useful for encouraging and comforting and building up. And the building up part, you know, the exhortation can have a little edge to it sometimes. Like, oh, okay, I need to build that area up. But I just, overall, I just believe God really wants to strengthen you all today and encourage you. And it's kind of going back to the roots, like back to where is our foundation? What are we standing on? Why are we here? Why are we living? What is our, our goals? And, um, and in this season, in this time with shaking and isolation and you know, distancing and everything. Um, I believe this is a, an encouragement from the Lord. So the name of this message is Reviving the Rivers of Relationship. I, I, the other title was Fueling Fellowship. And I love New River Fellowship. And, and as I was thinking about this, it came to my mind, you know, just the book of Genesis begins with this story of God's plan. And actually, I have a friend who wrote a book on, the, on Genesis that every covenant in the word of God is found in the book of Genesis. Like all the themes uh, of truths are all found in the book of Genesis. But the very, just the, the most solid, like primary foundational revelation in the book of Genesis is why we were created. If you see we were created for life and relationship. We were to eat from the tree of life and we were to walk with God and then walk with one another. And I just believe these two things, we need to go back to the garden today to get strengthened that it's not about right and wrong. Yes, we need to walk in integrity and do what's right like we do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Um, but we, the church, we are not supposed to be preoccupied in who's right and who's wrong. Which political party's right and which political party's wrong. Which group, the non-mask or the yes-mask group is right or wrong. Or what, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little touchy or personal if you... You know, it's nice when you just say metaphors that you, no one can relate to. But you know what I mean? There's so much division based on right and wrong. What does eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil do? It allows you to be a judge. And too much, the whole church is known for being judgmental. Because we're all about that's right, that's wrong. We need to do what's right 
But we're not to love justice, we're to do justly. We're to love mercy. Which means if you're doing something I think's wrong, I'm going to love you anyway, because that's mercy. And the foundation of this eating from the tree of life, just I want life. Like, okay, this is crazy. There's, I don't know what to say about this and this and this and this. But, man, I want life. And I'm going to receive life. And when you receive, you can only give what you receive. So if you receive just a bunch of knowledge of, man, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, then when you're with somebody, all you can do is give them a bunch of opinions and give them a bunch of Man, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you believe this? And, and when, that, when whoever you're talking to walks away, it's like they feel, oh, I just got like in a debate or I just got like I watched the news for a half hour because that's what you filled yourself with. But if you fill yourself with life, just Lord, come, fill me up like worship and, and in his word and, and fellowship, like you, your spirit gets filled. And then when you're with somebody, someone comes to you, you're just get out of the overflow, start encouraging them, prophesying over them, you know, affirming them, loving them. And they'll walk away going, I feel really good. So what are you eating from? The tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because God created you not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He created you to eat from the tree of life. That's how you're going to actually have joy and peace. That's how you're going to advance the kingdom, is just receiving life. So the other thing, it's relationship. Relationship with God, intimacy, and relationship with each other. I mean, Jesus summed up all the law and all the prophets, all this, to the New Testament. Just love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second commands like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That sums it all up. Love God, love others. That can sound so, we've heard that so much, but let me just change that a little bit. Have intimate fellowship, relationship, community, connection with God. And have fellowship, communion, intimate relationship with others, like real. Do you really have relationship or do you have like uh, association? We go to the same church or we go to the same, it's like we all go to the same mechanic or, you know, it's like, okay, but what's relationship? It defined, the word fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia means an exchange, it means to share something, to give something to someone and receive from them. Are you receiving from others and giving to others? Let me submit this to you. If you are, that's where your strength is going to be in perilous times and shaking times. We were never created to be, you know, just Todd and Jesus. Like, that's not good theology. That I can't get everything I need, just me and Jesus. As cool as that sounds and as holy as that makes it seem, and I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-Catholic or something, but I don't think being a monk by yourself for 
years, I don't see that in here. I see you go up the mountain like Moses for weeks or months. He did two 40-day stints, but he came down from the mountain. So we're to receive and have our intimacy and seasons of fasting and prayer, but then we're called to be out and pouring out. So let me just continue this whole thing with um, this koinonia. We, if that's God's mandate, that's why he made us to pour out. The enemy wants to do the opposite. He wants to hinder our intimacy with God and our fellowship and intimacy with each other. That's his goal. He wants us to be isolated. He wants us to be independent, alone. He wants, you know, his lies have a lot more landing pad effect in us when we're not around others. When you're alone, pretty soon all those lies seem like that's truth because that's all you're hearing. So important we're with others. You were created to be connected to others. It is not an option. It is essential that you're connected to others in the body of Christ. He's the head. So yes, he will speak. He'll tell you things. But for you to actually function and in a healthy way, you have to be connected. It's like my hand... You know, if it's disconnected from my body, it's, you know, it's going to do all the wrong motions. It's going to say stop, and I don't know what it's going to do, but it's going to be weird if it's not connected to my arm. And that's the way Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12, that we are a body. We're all one together. Many parts, individual parts, making up one. And And these are the lies the enemy will bring. This is, this is just straight out of scripture. The foot should not say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. My foot is really far away from my hand. Has really no, you know, it doesn't know what a hand feels like. And my hand doesn't know what it's like to be stepped on all day. But he can't say I don't belong just because there's, a different function and don't re- exactly know how each other feel and how each other live. And you can't, the enemy wants to lie to us and say, you don't belong. You're, you're too far apart. You're, you're different. And then there's this comparison. It says, um, the ear, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. So there's this comparison. Well, I'm, I'm just sitting on the side here. I, I don't really see anything. And I'm off to the side. People, when they look at my, your face, you know, it's like they're always drawn to the eyes. Oh, you have beautiful eyes. How many times has someone said, wow, you have beautiful ears? You know, the ears are a little jealous. Don't compare yourself. Don't become jealous of others. And then isolate. And be put down, be uh, discouraged. So I just really feel today like the Lord is saying he wants us to walk confidently in who we are, but be super intentional to be connected to the rest of the body. You all have gifts that no one else has. 
It, I love the fingerprint picture on the, I'm, is there a series of Ephesians? But I saw that little fingerprint picture about identity. That it's amazing. Every fingerprint in the billions of people who've lived, you know, there's seven billion now, but if you count up all the other billions, no one is like you. No one ever in history has been like you. No one has your personality, your gifting, your calling, your smell. No, I'm just kidding. They, no one has. They're not like you. You are unique in the universe. For all of history and all eternity, you are unique and you are needed to express who you are. O-M-E-S. Woo. Started dictating. That was scary. <laughs> Let me just tell you what he said. They broke bread in their H-O-M-E-S. That was from my notes. Well, I got to be careful when I put my hand down in my <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not recording this live. That's good. <laughs> but you are valuable. You're invaluable. It means there's, you're priceless. You know, value is based on how common something is. And the more um, limited a resource is, the more valuable it is. And you are one of a kind. It's like only one, if there was only one diamond in the whole world and no other diamonds, how much would that be worth? That's you. The body, I need you. We need you. And you need others. It's, um, I love the picture uh, of the parable of the minas when Jesus talked about, you know, um, increasing the minas. Minas is like, it's a, a, a complimentary parable about the talents and not burying your talent, but using them, circulating, increasing your wealth, increasing what God's given you. And Luke mentions the minas, Luke 19, and it, but I love the language he uses. He, you increase through trading. It's not just like, Give all your money to Ben and ask him to increase it or give your money to a bank. And by the way, that was, there was a rebuke for giving it to a bank. This is good business teaching here. Don't expect to increase by giving to a bank. You got to circulate it. Get it out there. But the minus says he increased through trading. And when I was pondering that, I was thinking back then there wasn't like everyone didn't have a bunch of you know, that mostly the way they lived was they would trade. You'd go to the market and trade. But the parable is saying, be diligent to increase through trading. So how do you do that? Well, you might have the wheat field, a little field, and you bring your wheat and you make bread to, and you bring it to the market with your resource. You have some wheat, so you make some bread. But then someone else has the cinnamon spices, and, and you trade some of your bread for their cinnamon. And how do you increase? Well, the next week you bring cinnamon bread. Because you've increased by taking, that's fellowship. You're giving what you have and you're receiving what someone else has. And the next week you are cinnamon bread. Like you're more rich. And then somebody else has grapes. They have a vineyard, but they dry some of them. And they bring the market raisins. And you share your cinnamon bread with their raisins. Next week you come with raisin cinnamon bread. And you've increased. Not just you've made some wealth. You've increased who you are. 
You're no longer just the bland bread. You got a little spice, a little sweetness to you. That's what we do for each other when we fellowship with each other. I get changed by being around you. And you know, I'm going to turn this whole fear of catching something through being close proximity on its head. Yes, viruses are contracted through close contact, but every other good thing is also contracted through close contact. We need each other's love, each other's faith, each other's, you know, just you carry what you carry in God. I need it, and I'm not going to get it unless I'm around you. I'm not going to get it through an online show. Online is not the church. You can, it's an oxymoron, and I'll say this because I'm not, don't have people online listening. <laughs> but that's an oxymoron. At best, you're going to be encouraged just like listening, you know, watching a YouTube video of a worship service or watching a great speaker. It's awesome, but you have no connection to that speaker. You have no connection to that worship team. It's a great, like, that was encouraging. It was like a teaching. It was like, that was a great show. But we were created for fellowship, meaning I need to receive from you and you from me. And even it's science. Quantum physics proves the person in one room is affected by another person. There's like an exchange in the molecular level. You can look that up. But we're, at, we're affected by our environment. So you're, if you're sitting alone at home, just doing everything online, you're not going to be transformed in the image of Jesus because he uses his body for that. And the way that the body affects each other is by being connected. That's what Paul says. We have to be joined together for this to work. For us to really be the church, we have to be joined together. And during worship, I'm, I'm sharing some things I didn't share the first service, but I was just realizing, the Lord was reminding me, Todd, I spoke so many words about stadium gatherings the last few years. I have personal friends that were, are planning, we're planning 20 stadium gatherings I didn't know everybody, but I knew about maybe six of those personally this year. And I don't think that was wrong. I think that was God's heart. And I think, you know, the enemy is having a heyday because everything's being shut down because of fear. But let me just tell you, he doesn't win. He roars like a lion. And let me just tell you this. The church is not going to be crippled by fear. This has happened over and over in church history. Whenever there's been persecution, and by the way, this is persecution. It's rearing its head in more blatant ways, like in California, just the double standard of churches not being able to meet and not be able to sing in your own home and not even do a small group in your own home. It's crazy. Yet, 10,000 people protesting on the streets is fine, and it's actually encouraged by the CDC. It's like, what? But again, I'm not into the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm not going to get caught in that. I want to find the life in this. You know what the life is? God's going to work this for good. He's shaking 
Everyone who has been a country club member of church. And they're going, I've actually enjoyed my Sundays. I actually found a better country club. <laughs> you know what it's doing? I believe it's shaking out the religious people. I don't want to judge them, but just people who come under obligation. And now that they don't have to come, where they've been told not, to, they're like, oh, I never really wanted to go anywhere. I never really wanted to be a part anyway. I just had this, you know, fear of whatever. Matthew says, 24 says, the love of most will grow cold. I think in this day, just the love of people for God and each other is being exposed. It's being exposed. But you know what's cool about that is those that are fiery are going to get more fiery. And it's actually going to be better. It's kind of like having a fire and you put some wood on it that doesn't burn. You know, it's like green wood. And it's does, it doesn't burn. It's not dry. It's not hungry. It's not, uh, I want to be in this fire. God's taking that wood out. Guess what's going to happen? That wood's going to blaze. That fire is going to be so hot. And those drawn to burn in their hearts for Jesus are just going to be so drawn together. And I, let me just tell you, there is going to be multiple stadium gatherings to come. The Lord's words are going to be fulfilled. I mean, when Paul Cain and Bob Jones and these prophets have prophesied for years and decades about stadium gatherings, it's going to happen. <laughs> stadium Christianity, all that. I mean, so don't get just stimmied by the enemy and by the the reality now. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. And our faith is in the word of God, written word of God, spoken word of God. And I'm not stressed because things got stopped. At the beginning of the year, um, I was so stoked about this prophecy about the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and that ushering in the billion soul harvest and stadium Christianity. Does anybody remember back in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Was that like 20 years ago or something? Let me remind you, that was a crazy fulfillment of prophecy. It was very unlikely that the Kansas City Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, especially when the Titans beat them during the regular season. Just kidding. I love the Titans. But, um, but I remember someone saying that Bob Jones gave prophetic words for every decade. And Bob Jones was so accurate in his prophetic. You know, he had an open line to the White House where he would, if he got a word to warn presidents about things, he had immediate access and they took his words. And, and the, a lot of that's not common knowledge of what, how God used him. But he gave these words like in the 70s and even before that, and it's on YouTube, you can Google it. I actually did a, a little Facebook Live about it. You can Google that. <laughs> it's probably on Caleb, our Facebook site somewhere buried. But it was back in March. And I, what I, so I looked at this. He had these words for every decade. And I looked, 2020, what was the words for 2020 to 2030? And he, he had this word that this is a decade of rest. And that God was going to do more to overcome the enemy through the church walking in rest 
and more victory would come than ever before because we would stop striving and we would rest and let God fight the battles. So I've held on to that. Both those fulfillments at the beginning of this year, Billion Soul Harvest, Stadium Christianity, Chiefs winning Super Bowl, decade of rest. So in, let me encourage you, be confident and enter into his rest that when he pulls the plug and like says, put the gas on now, we need to be ready to roar. We're not called to walk the race. We're not called to, you know, sit on the sidelines. We're called to run the race, to win. But right now, I believe there's been a global pause, a selah in Book of Psalms. And, and how are we supposed to pause? I love the Passion Translation says, and on the side, instead of putting selah, which most translations say, unknown musical term. I love how Brian Simmons says, pause in his presence. When I'm reading the Psalms and Passion Translation, it's always like, oh, that's good. <laughs> But I think that's what God wants us to do right now. Pause in his presence. Not pause and watch all the terrible things going on. Or pause and get in a bunch of debates. Or pause and be paralyzed by fear. Let's pause in his presence. And when the, the pause button gets pushed again, let's charge. Being filled with depth of confidence and love. Um, so... This, I'm just going to end with this. This is the word that the Lord um, spoke to me the very first day that quarantining all happened back in March. I woke up in the morning, and I'm just going to read it to you. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 came to me, and I remember thinking, why am I getting this? We're all meeting together, but why am I getting this? Thank you, Spence. It says, and let us consider one another. So listen, we need to consider each other. We got to think about others in order to stir up love and good works. This is the way we stir up love in our own hearts and in others. It's love and good works. This is how it works. This is how that happens. What is it? By not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We have to be together to stir up love and to stir up good works in each other. We have to be together. There's no other option. And let me just tell you, this, what we're experiencing with quarantining and persecution in a little way, churches can't sing or they can't. Like that's happening all over the earth in much more extreme measures. Like the church in China, they can't meet anywhere. So do they just go, well, we're gonna comply with the government. We're just not going to meet. No! They still meet. And they get put in jail for it. They suffer for it. But this law is higher than any nation's laws. And this word says, don't forsake assembling together. And the last part of the verse says, Eve exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. As we get more to the end times, we need to meet even more. 
we know the table's being set for end times. I mean, this governmental controls, even global governmental controls. And, you know, it's interesting how there's a lot of global players that more have the money and, you know, there's a lot of manipulation of things behind the scenes. And I'm not, this isn't conspiracy. This is the Bible. We know one day there will be a one world government, one religion, and an antichrist. The table's being set for that reality. I'm not... That's nothing about fear. I have no fear about that. That's going to happen. But as I see that day approaching, the second coming of Jesus and all these end time scenarios happening, what do I do? Meet together even more often. I was in China with my wife and she's pregnant with Mikhail and Micah and Mandy there. Moses was a dream in God's heart at that point. And in our hearts. But we went to China and I, God told me to go to the underground church and I, they wouldn't let me because it's so dangerous to be exposed, especially by foreigners. But we went there for two months and we served and Rachel was pregnant with Mikhail and one of the underground church leaders was a woman. Most of the leaders in the underground church are women, by the way. And she was pregnant and she was scared about pregnancy. And so we met and shared, just loved on her. And then she trusted us and invited me in to teach in the underground church. It took like four hours for us to go to have a meeting because every 20 minutes, two people would show up at this apartment way outside the city. And there was only like two pairs of shoes at the door, but they would slowly, took four hours to get the room filled. I had to ride a bike to a park, lock the bike, get on a, a, like a bus, get off at a certain bus stop, and a taxi picked me up at the bus stop, and I had to lay down on the back, drove way out. It was like a Jason Bourne movie. It was, it was fun, actually, for me. I was like, this is crazy. And, and I got words when I got there. We were eating dinner and it, for four hours, waiting for people to come. And so the, I was supposed to just go there and teach this kid guitar. I, they told me I had to learn Mandarin song. And it took me like three weeks to memorize Mandarin. And the guy was tone deaf that was teaching me, which was not helpful. But I learned it clumsily. And he said, okay, teach this kid because they don't have any worshipers in the underground church in this region. And so I brought my little guitar. And, but during dinner, I told this guy, I felt this word. And he goes, you speak tonight. And my, the guy who's the husband of the underground church leader, who's, he said, no, 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 Todd didn't come. And he said, yes. And then I said, he said, Todd came to teach this kid guitar. And the guy said, okay, you lead worship and speak. <laughs> I'm like, what? But being in that underground church, I were, did all that. And then at the end, they lined up for me to pray for them. I'm, I kept asking each person, what can I pray for? Every single person said, pray for me because I get beat up for being a Christian and I'm going to get beat up tonight when I go home because I came to this meeting. They are not forsaking assembling together. How much more should we not? So if you could stand up and just pray for you. Hebrews 10.25 says, in the Passion Translation, I'm just going to, Read it one more time in this translation. But I feel this is a clear word for today, for our hour. This is not the time 
to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Man, does that speak to right now? We should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So I'm preaching to the choir because you came. (laughs) But I want to tell you, go after the sheep that didn't come. Leave the 99. The enemy wants to isolate. And like a a wolf, they run in the flock. They'll try to peel off one sheep by itself. Usually a weak one. It's maybe wandering and take them out. Let's not let the enemy do that. You are vital to the body and so is everyone else. Let's reach out. Amen. Stir up love and good works as we assemble together. So open your hands. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. Even this morning, the worship, it's so much faith about what you're doing. You are a way maker. You turn the graves into gardens. You are the one who is the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. Lord, mighty in battle. Open up, you ancient gates. Open up, you ancient doors. The king of glory would come in. And so I just ask for each one, each household represented here, would you open up the gates and let your glory fall on each family, each individual? and all of their community. Can you just open your hands as a way of saying, kind of like, I'm embracing my whole sphere of influence, like all my friends, all my work companions, all my family, any relationships you have. And I'm just gonna ask right now for a, a release of grace for the Lord to use you to bless those relationships. You are gonna be strengthened as you live, as you give, as you love. It's better to give than receive. So I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, release an anointing on everyone in this room to love generously, to care for the one in front of them. And I pray, God, lift off heavy yokes. Lift off the lies of the enemy that get us self-protecting, that get us so, the fear that paralyzes. Lord, I just pray, break off independence and isolation. It is not God's wisdom to be motivated by fear. So I just pray, whatever you do, you do it by faith. You'd walk by faith, not by sight. And Lord, we want to walk humbly. We're not arrogant. We want to to rebel against authorities. But I just pray, Lord, there would be an intentional reaching out, inviting for coffee, having lunch, inviting over for dinner, just meeting at parks. I pray for a proactive reviving of the river of relationships, a proactive fueling of the fellowship. So I just pray commissioning right now. The Lord bless you. Just receive that blessings. He knows every need you have. So I pray he would bless you right now. And the Lord keep you. Let the Lord be your protector, your defender, 
your stability. Lord, keep you in his hand. And the Lord make his face shine upon you. That you'd be radiating. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Face never covered in shame. Let his intimacy, his love, his, his glory just shine on you. And be gracious to you. Let him empower you with grace. Grace that empowers. Gives you everything you need based on not your performance. Based on his love for you. And again, a double portion of this intimacy may lift up his countenance upon you. Again, favored, beloved child. The father in the parable of the, this lost child, the, the two sons just running after you, giving you a hug, giving you the robe and the ring and the sandals, just giving you favor. Let him lift his countenance upon you again. And give you that healing, restoring, protecting shalom. Thank you, Father. I just want to say and prophesy, you're going to make it. You're not just going to survive. You're created to thrive, to abound in every good thing, having all that you need. To run the race as if to win, not just barely survive. It's not just about finishing. It's about winning. And with our God, like David said, with my God, I can scale a wall. I can leap over a wall. So I just say with God, all things are possible. And if you came today with any fears or any heavy yokes, why don't you leave those? Just let them go right now. Just say, you know what? You're not going home with me. <laughs> I just let go. I just see some of you walking out so much lighter than when you came in. Some of you just breathe it out. Just say, oh, okay, I'm letting that go. It's not my job to fix the world. It's not my job to fix society. It's not my job to fix the elections or fix anything. My job is to be a son and a daughter with a huge, powerful, glorious father in heaven that is going to accomplish his will no matter what happens on the earth. I'm walking home with him. I'm just going home as a daughter and a son today. In Yeshua's name. Amen.